so <laughs> yeah right right so, anyways though um philip how's it going today it's going well thanks How for sitting i'm doing well man about to be doing better loading up a bowl of greens you know a bowl so, hell yeah dude take you for a bowl guy you know i am definitely more of a joint uh more of a joint guy and uh, yeah. you can definitely tell that if you've watched watch the video version of this podcast. Um, speaking of which, for folks that don't know, chillinoy.net slash video, and you can watch us right now. So good morning, dude. You ready to do a little bit of a wake and bake and chat wow. about what, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> definitely, definitely. Cool. Well, uh, you know, for folks that are wondering who the hell you are, I wanted to just say <laughs> that um, we have been connecting uh, or kind of, you know, communicating online for quite some time. And let me just tell you how I became aware of you. Um, I like to post news different places. Like I'm constantly Googling Illinois cannabis news. Like I'll Google that like every day. And, I know that. <laughs> yeah. And like I'll Google it uh, multiple times a day even. Yeah. See, you know what you know what it's about. And uh so much probably that you know which articles are stale and which articles are fresh. You're like, oh, that's a new one, right? Oh yeah. And when I would post articles sometimes, like sometimes they would literally just drop, like I'd get an email about an article and be like, Oh yeah, no question. I don't even have to read this article to know that I need to share this article. And so I would start to share it. And like, so for example, on Reddit, it would be like, this article's already been shared. And I was like, what? This article literally just came out five minutes ago. Who the fuck else is like on it like that? And, and it was you. So. Someone who was unemployed for 18 months during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just find it, um, you know, like cannabis and like the time we're in, in Illinois and everything, I mean, nationally, it's just, it's fascinating, you know? I think people, I think people know it's remarkable that weed is, you know, now legal. It's always in quotes when we'll say it, you know that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, I just find it super fascinating. And I think it's like, when you follow cannabis news and you follow it closely, I feel like it's kind of like insightful on other issues and kind of like the way government works. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've always, I've, I don't mean to say I've always said, uh, I've been saying that I think that cannabis is a gateway drug to politics. <laughs> you know, if you start, and by, by that, I mean, if you pay attention to the way that cannabis legalization goes, you might become frustrated and then you might realize that that's the way that almost everything else in our life it's works. funny because it was it was kind of the opposite for me when i think about it because i always loved politics since i was a kid and then like the 2020 election was just mm -hmm. so mind-numbingly dumb <laughs> yeah like i just needed you know it was nice that cannabis legalization came around at, at that time because that was like a nice change in like hi a hyper local story to follow you know yeah a nice distraction from that race Absolutely. Well said. Yeah, it did come at a at a good time, both when we needed it and <laughs> when we needed it mentally, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, we not only needed it physically, but but mentally. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Well, um, yeah. Another reason that I wanted to bring you on is not only that it seems like you digest the news as much as I do, but you just did it there. You were like legal. Everything I notice you mention and you focus on, it's like, yes, somebody else is taking it home, <laughs> you know? So 
Well, it's funny. I you'll comment on something I'll say sometimes. Like I feel like you're the only one that gets this sometimes, and I'm definitely not. You know, like it's. Uh, I don't know. I feel like people just like legalization happens, and then like people just kind of get complacent. Yeah. You know, they accept it for what it is, and. I don't know. I just, I don't see enough news stories about like, <laughs> like you had that one from, was it the Tribune of the Sun-Times that was talking about racial disparities and arrests post-legalization? Yeah. Why don't we see more stories like that? Right. You know, I think mostly it's because people don't care, but. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what truth there is to this, but Vintage Buds, somebody who's pretty active on Illinois trees has said that um, he's not able to find some of that data that we're talking about, like the state hasn't published it. So again, I don't know how true any of that is. I needed to do some more research myself, but to your point, I wonder, I, I, that, that's something I got to look into for sure. Cause you, you make a great point. Like nobody is reporting on it. I wonder though, with, like I say, when I bring vintages uh, perspective, I wonder if that's why, like if the data is just not available, you know? And if so, that's well, a travesty. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they're definitely interested in selling legalization as like a successful thing, you know? True. Like the governor runs around calling it the most socially equitable cannabis market in the country. Yeah. And they like you a lie. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't call it anything other than a lie. Right. And and I guess to to kind of push back on my own point, I'm sitting here talking about like I'm almost kind of giving them room on saying, well, maybe that data is not there, but it's like they're so apt to grab for other data to your point. Like they'll pu publish all this like, oh, it's the most social. One percent of licenses went to black owned app or black applicants, you know? Right. Yeah. But when they have the numbers they want to talk about, of course, they have the numbers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Very, very well said. Yeah. And, and like you said, I don't know how to really. um it's a, it's a point I've been wrestling with for a while, but you just put it pretty succinctly. People seem to get complacent after legalization. So like, you know, I've seen a lot of people pointing out lately different brands that are white labeling cannabis, you know, making a new brand and white labeling it. And then Shocking. people getting, yeah, people getting frustrated about it. And it's like, well, this is like, nothing new. And, and in fact, I think one of the number one reasons people become complacent, because when you go to the store, there are 90 brands, but they all go back to the same 18 companies. <laughs> so it, to, to the consumer who doesn't do their research like you and I, they're like, well, there are plenty of companies and plenty of brands. It's like, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I was just going to say about that. <laughs> no worries. No worries. It, you know, it, it, I don't know. It's just, I, I like, so I guess I bring that up because I, I do say that to you sometimes. Like, I feel like nobody else gets it. And I guess what I mean by that is like, it just seems like everybody that come like, I'm trying to give the person that comes into the store that doesn't dig into everything like you and I, the benefit of the doubt, like it would be hard if you're looking at a wall of products to discern what is actually going on. And that of course is, is the farce, the chat, the smoke and mirrors game oh, yeah. that they're playing, you know? Well, yeah. And when you have, you know, like a brand, like it was Vic Mensa's brand, mm -hmm. like they kind of were advertising that almost like it was a new licensee. Right. Like, it, you know, it's like, Oh, this black owned brand, mm -hmm. but it's just a brand that's licensed 
to arise. It's not, it's not anything new. Right. <laughs> it's, it's the same stuff they grow. Yeah. Well, and frankly, I gotta be, you know, people get weird when, uh, two white dudes get together and comment anything about race. But I will say that, like, I think Mike Tyson was selling weed in the state of Illinois before that under a brand. And so, I mean, that was a black owned brand. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but again, I don't, I, last time I even put like half of a cent onto that topic, people were outraged. So I'm going to tip I'm going to tiptoe away from that one, but, uh, (laughs) um, people, people are very defensive of their cannabis cultivators and brands. (laughs) So, well, people love brands, you know, like people, people like adopt brands as their identity in a lot of ways. Yeah. Then they get weird and defensive when you call into question, you know, what the owners of those brands do, you know, and how they, how they advocate against like, them like the person who's adopting their brand as their identity like you're stuck like like you have like stockholm syndrome almost like you've been stuck with these owners and these brands you've learned to love it that's your identity now (laughs) so now when someone calls it into question it's like a personal attack or something you know but it's like you you shouldn't even be stuck with those brands like you should be able to have any number of brands choices you know choices like and like smaller time brands, you know, people you could actually interact with or contact or talk to somewhere. Right. Yeah. And I guess to really like kind of shift, shifted away from Illinois, if that got a little too personal for some people, like like, to your point of Stockholm syndrome, like it's weird to see like Wiz Khalifa, a rapper and other, other big time celebrities going to Florida, a medical market, to celebrate the launch of a dispensary. Like when I see um, people who are opponents of cannabis legalization, in other words, they do not, they're not for it. And they like point to events like that. I'm like, you know, <laughs> cause they're basically like, Hey, like it, the circle K. Oh, thing because too. it's supposed to be like medical. Right. Right. And it's like, Oh, oh. Or th- you know, I mean, I don't, yeah. I mean, the distinction between medical and recreational is, it's like a, it's like a Costco card. It's like, if you're going to buy a lot, you get the medical card. Like that's yeah. really like, it's only because prices would be high. It's like shopping over in Michigan these days. Mm-hmm. I rarely ever use my medical card. Right. There's just more options on the rec side and prices are so cheap. And the tax differential is like 10%. Yeah. So they, they, they just incentivize everyone to kind of shop in the same market. Absolutely. Yeah. And I fundamentally agree with, with that. Like basically, you know, the medical card is, I mean, look, well, in Illinois though, it's also, and also other States, it's more legal protections too, you know? Yes. Very well said. Very well said. So yeah, in Illinois, you can afford yourself the right to grow or whatever else. But at the end of the day, like you say, I think what we're, what we're really, what you're really saying and what we both agree on is that like, you don't need a justification to use cannabis and that's all the medical card is. No. We just created I mean, this concept, you know, I don't remember which ones, but there's places where you can just self attest. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, hey, Washington DC now. In fact, yeah. uh, in fact, Washington DC, they allow that for residents and non-residents now. So even if you don't live there, you can self attest and then go to, a Washington dispensary 
And so, you know, the folks at Sam are crying foul and saying, look, they're they're just making a joke of their medical cannabis system. And it's like you're making a joke of their political system, because if I'm sorry, I don't mean to say Sam is specifically, but like the people of Washington, D.C., from what I understand, have tried and tried and tried to make adult use cannabis legal. But there's something called the Harris Rider. And I think it has something to do with. Con, like what, the actual Congress has to like bingo do it. So they're not yeah. going to do that <laughs> and they're not going to do it. And so, yeah. so yeah, they're kind of making a joke of the medical cannabis program. Well, but because you self attest to a medical need for all kinds of medicine. When you walk into a CVS and you, you know, you well buy said. any number of things off the shelves, you know, very well said. And that's the, that's the sort of thing that people, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the thinking, like a lot of the discussion we have with weed, it's just all still based with like stigma attached to it, mm -hmm. you know, because it's it's weed. It's scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The way that it's sold, I mean, everything. It can't be sold in the store with anything else. Um, you can only buy a limited amount. You can only have a limited amount. Yeah, we're we're treating it like it's like a bomb well, even or just something. the whole licensing process, you know, like. I was looking it up because I was curious, like what you have to do to start like roasting coffee, like mm -hmm. to start a coffee roastery and like get a stand at a farmer's market. I'm pretty sure you don't need like much, like it doesn't require getting licensed. Yeah. I think if you're probably at a certain scale, you probably have some kind of like food safety requirements. Sure. Maybe an inspection, but like, yeah, it's not like. There's a limited number of coffee roasting licenses and, you know, it's just, they make it so complicated just because, you know, it's weed. So it's, I guess, scary. So you got to like go through this whole rigmarole to like be able to sell it to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I know that we are uh, bouncing around, but yeah, yeah. The, the licensing <laughs> is, is just it's insane. And like, I think the craziest thing about the entire licensing structure is back to the point you originally brought up. It is supposed to be about social equity yet. It costs like $5,000 per application. You file 40,000 a year, I think for the craft cultivation. And then you've got so many other legal fees. And it's like, if this is for somebody who was disadvantaged, who is disproportionately affected by the war on drugs, do you, do you, expect them to be that capitalized to even compete well, i don't know why there wasn't no. you know or why there still isn't you know like michigan's caregiver system yeah why wouldn't they set something like that up for social equity i mean well, it's small it's small time but yeah. like you can do that out of your basement yeah or like a garage I really think that it's just they're just afraid that's going to cut into their bottom line. Like they've well, determined, <laughs> you know, they've There's determined definitely reasons they, that that doesn't exist here. Yeah, they yeah. just determined that anything like home grow, anything like a caregiver system, anything that would seem easier on licensing that is cutting into their bottom line. You know. Mm hmm. It'll be interesting to see how that caregiver thing go goes. I don't know if you saw the interview that Gronin did with the new um, head regulator at the I Michigan. Read it. I read it quickly, but it was something about enforcement and black market. 
Yeah, definitely check out the whole uh, interview um, for folks that are listening to. It's definitely worth a read. Basically, they uh, appointed uh, the head of the Cannabis Regulatory Authority in Michigan now is an ex. I believe he's a former cop, former service member, which, you know, whatever. I'm just bringing those things up. Um, he. Well, that's who you hire if you want more enforcement, I guess, right? Yeah. And they kind of asked him about enforcement and he pretty well indicated that, that they, the, you know, they're going to try to clamp down on what they determined to be, you know, black market cannabis. And they asked about the caregiver system and he would not go there. He really wouldn't comment. So, um, all I'm saying is it seems like they got some thoughts brewing and, um, it'll well, be interesting, you know, depending on how they're, gubernatorial election goes um uh you know if if like a republican were to lead the state you know you could see depending who's leading you could see more or less of a crackdown you know yeah yeah well said well said so it'll be definitely interested interesting how that plays out but i don't know like it it seems like the driving force behind all of these things and you've you've said it before i've tried to say it you know I've always had trouble saying this, but it just seems like the driving force between all of these things is to artificially the inflate the value of cannabis, like, and the licenses. Yes. And the licenses that is key. Yep. Yeah. And I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't even know don't, if it's worth really talking about licenses too much anymore. Like, mm -hmm. You know, the thing I would love to see, which I know you agree with, is just home grow for everyone, ending possession limits. Like, do you, do you know, um, there's a, I think she's a state rep. She might be a state senator, but Mary Flowers. No, I don't, but she, I love her name. She was the one who had, yeah, <laughs> well, it's, it's fitting. She was the one that had that bill proposed that was like to get rid of possession limits. And I actually looked it up recently and it actually got rid of it allowed possession and delivery of any amount. Wow. You should have her on the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll have to have to reach out to her. I, I think she represents, she represents an area like just over, like also on the Southwest of Chicago. Like I think suburbs, maybe like Bridgeview, something like yeah. that area. I reached out to uh, representative Carol Ammons from Champaign because she, she was the was, one with the home grow. Yeah. And I liked it because she used the language. She like copy and pasted language from the medical cannabis home grow to adult use, which would mean that at home, nobody would have a possession limit anymore at home, which is a win in my opinion. You know, that is good. But I do think you need to get some kind of ability to gift yes. your home grow. It, yeah. It's just not worth prosecuting people over that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah, and the, yeah. the state does it all, like still all the time. Like, you know, I mean, when we were like standing out of dispensaries for that outside of dispensaries for that weekend, protesting them, we would talk, I would talk to people and, you know, in the city dispensaries, they were pretty like excited to talk to people who would be holding signs advocating for home grow outside of dispensary. But you'd talk to them and people would be kind of shocked that you can still get a mandatory minimum for having i mean it's a lot of weed but you can still get like a minimum of six years for having a certain amount of weed right 
Yeah. Like I think people just don't think about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The possession limits are crazy. People look them up. I mean, literally if you exceed an ounce, maybe not on your first offense, but on your subsequent offense, you're definitely facing fines and potential felonies. It's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. And for visitors, it's even half that amount. Yeah. Which is Absolutely. like back to how it was before, like, I think wasn't like up to 14 grams decriminalized. Mm, I think it was, or was it more than 10? I think it was 10. 10? What an odd yeah. amount. Yeah, it was an odd amount. It was more, but I think Bruce Rauner pushed back. He vetoed it and said, basically, you know, if you bring it back with a smaller amount, there's a chance I'll sign it. And I think he said, there's a chance I'll sign it, but basically he had to sign it because of just the way that politics was working at that time. Sorry, you know? This guy is like, Oh no. Crawling over here. <laughs> he looks like our kitty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you said that before. Yeah. Go away, buddy. Claude's cute. Well, anyways, Claude yeah, all, all cats are welcome on the Chillinoy podcast. Um, well, he, if he smells weed, he just comes, comes a rolling around. He just <laughs> loves, he loves to bury his face in a jar of it. He just sits there and like, you just see his little nose. Like, it's funny. Who do you learn that from? I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But back to your point, I think, I think like you say, I'm personally, you know, if asked, I will give my opinion on licensing, but frankly, my target is, is home grow and ending possession limits at this point. Because if you think about it, that's kind of what we've been saying this whole time. Like you even started by saying it's legal. And what you meant by that is like, you just assume that when cannabis is legal, that you can fucking grow it and have as much as you want, just like any fucking thing else in our life, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's what we have to work on fi- fixing first and foremost. Well, and it's like, you know, the license, like there's so much money and people's um, like people are already down the road of this limited licensing framework. Like I don't, know if you can really reverse that car <laughs> like yeah. i think they're gonna have to get out competed by neighboring states or you know something will have to make them change it that is like that mm-hmm. i don't think it's gonna be like people advocating for open licensing yeah because they clearly just don't ca- like they don't care about consumers they don't care about medical patients they don't care about consumers you know i don't know what other assumption to draw from the fact that there's only been 55 medical dispensaries forever right you know you like downstate, like how inaccessible medical cannabis would be to someone who lives like maybe in the middle of two of them. Like, I don't right. know, they probably have to drive like an hour to get to one. Yeah, they are that's few probably- and far between down there. Well, that's, that's another, like tying the licenses to, cause it's like population based, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's based on the police precincts, but it's population based. I, th- I think I'm actually not sure on that, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. But there's far less licenses like downstate and like, you know, on the borders. Yeah. Yeah. Which I just think is like such a big fuck you to downstate. Cause like, mm-hmm. think about how many people drive, like if our weed was as cheap as Michigan and we had a free market, think about how booming like downstate towns would be like little border towns, like, I, I can't even think of any like 
Decatur, maybe. I don't know yeah, if they Dec- allow stores, but they'd have much more incentive to. <laughs> yeah, I think they have one store. They've got a sunny side. <laughs> right. Or like, yeah, what are the ones that are like way down south that people come from like Tennessee for? Like you would have like 40 shops down there. Absolutely. Absolutely. A bunch in Carbondale. If but instead could. you just have all, you have less people coming, paying more for their product and it's just going to like one or two people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's what's crazy. <laughs> that's what's crazy is that we're pulling in like big bucks, but we're not that big. S- yeah. Not that not as big as it would be. You're right. You it know? would be so much bigger. That's yeah. yeah. It would be yeah. like, yeah. Like you wouldn't be making as much money on the things you're selling, but you'd be like selling more, be getting way more business and it'd be divided among so many more people. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to not call that like more equitable, but yeah. And that's just, you know, back to a point, like I've, it's interesting that you've not seen anybody that have, that has been like awarded a, a conditional license or an actual license come out and say, all right, now that we have this thing, this can't continue. I don't want any other person to go through what I went through. This has got to change. You know, you've not seen sure anybody. That, I don't know though. I would hate to like, as much as I would like love to litmus test people like that, you know, it's like, how do you really put that on someone who's gone through that whole process just to try to start a business? Sure. That's a good point. (laughs) You know? Yeah. It just, I don't know. After, after all of the, you know, rigmarole, the court cases, the lawsuits, like it would seem that you, you would have somebody come out and say like the issue besides advocates, it seems like the only people that are bitching about the licensing system. I mean, I don't want to say the licensing system. Like you say, it just seems like I don't have, I don't know of a clear voice uh, that I can point to that is like an industry side, not on the advocate yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I couldn't think of one either. You know? It's kind of crazy. <laughs> but maybe that's why we have a closed market (laughs) yeah that's just it like i just think that they also see the value in having a limited licensed market yeah well and i think it goes back to two like if you take illinois and michigan like where they wound up so different where they when they started their medical market illinois model was only like like medicine as consumer good yeah you know michigan's was cannabis as medicine so i think like you know illinois just started from such a weird place you know Mm -hmm. and it's still just like the business like there is no I don't know what to call that. Yeah. There's like no like uh, care. <laughs> yeah. <in it. laughs> like, yeah. Again, like I talked to people outside dispensaries who were talking about how they can't get stuff they used to get, you know, like medicines they used to get. And it's like, well, yeah, because all these companies, you know, like there, there might have been a smaller company that was specializing in a more medical thing back in the day. But why would they do that now? They've either been bought out or right. there's just less incentive to do that. Right. Yeah, very well said. And and yeah, that's a great point you bring up that that Illinois cannabis really started as like a, a 
consumer packaged goods market. Well, I, I read that somewhere recently. I can't remember what I read that in, but I was oh, like, dude. oh, that's like so. That's like you're a on the money. Think about it. You know, you're on the money because I've attended meetings I maybe shouldn't have uh, because. Well, I won't go into that because I don't know how if I'm past the statute of limitations on that. But let's just say that uh, companies will openly and proudly say to all of their employees in private circles like, yeah, we, we are CPG, you know, Coca-Cola, all of these brands that sell so consumer weird. packaged goods. That's what we are. And yeah, that, I've, I'm glad you brought that up because I fundamentally disagree that cannabis is cpg like think about when you go and buy any well, other a lot of it is though like i think like things like cannabis beverages and sure. edibles and yeah vapes like those are all obviously consumer packaged goods but the fact that in illinois like you can only buy pre-packed weed that you can't actually smell i mean that's right. like so contrary to how you should be buying weed yeah i mean i i mean there's like buying weed over in Michigan, there's certain operators I would trust to buy a prepackaged eighth or a prepackaged ounce. But a lot of the time you, you know, I would search out a specifically a smaller store that will have a deli style service yes. because like smell, I feel like smelling it is just so essential to deciding if you want to buy it, mm -hmm. you know? And also when you're looking at like a price, it's like, damn, that's really cheap. Like you can take the chance and spend, you know, it's less of a gamble over there, but you'd still much rather be able to smell stuff. Yeah. I mean, that'll be, I mean, I can't, I don't even know if it'll, I mean, God, can you imagine them ever getting to that? They'd have to like. <laughs> so they did it in the past. They did allow. Um, they did in Illinois allow it in the past. Yeah. It was weird though. So I only know this because Justine used to work at a dispensary. You'd have a little jar that the cultivator would send and it was a, a jar that allowed you to you could smell the jar and it would you could smell Even that would be fine. Yeah. Now, the only issue with that was that the sample was basically stale in a, two weeks, you know, yeah. so they have to figure that out, I guess. But, you know, um, but yeah, it's some but but to your point, like, uh, yeah, I didn't think about it that way. There are actually many products in the legal cannabis market that are cpg that's actually a really brilliant point to bring up but like you say with flour that is more like going and buying produce and so for example sometimes i like to use this example because sometimes i go and i'm like i want some fucking grapes and i go and i look at the grapes and i feel the grapes and you know everybody always you like look around and you try one um sometimes they're not good and i yeah. decide to not buy grapes that day. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think too, like flour, I think flour will always be like a large part of the market. You know, yeah. I don't know if it'll like diminish to some terribly small amount. And I think it does favor like a smaller, like a, like a, you know, the analogy between like a craft brewery, you know, like we have two craft breweries down the street from us here and neither of them distribute beer. They only brew it and serve it on site. Yeah. And I mean, that that micro business model over in Michigan is kind of like, you know, a version of that. It's like 150 plants. You have it in the same shop that you're selling. It's all like on the same site. Mm -hmm. And I just think like if you can really like 
be good and deliver the quality on that. Like there's no reason that, I mean, that will compete with the Cresco growing just tons and tons of product for cheap. Yeah. yeah. I think, cause that's one of the things about like, you know, in like correlation to what I do in pet care, you know, there's, there's like, there was like large internet companies like WAG that would do like dog walking, but the industry of pet care, you know, it's like, so you want to deliver a level of care and you can only really get so big until you kind of like start randomly killing people's pets, <laughs> and losing yeah. people's dogs and stuff like that. And I feel like that's how it kind of, how I feel about weed is it's like a similar thing, you know, it like it favors smallness, like it leans towards smallness and anti-bigness. So like, you just have to like, let people do it at that scale. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a very interesting analogy that makes perfect sense. So I like, well, that. it's just something that I think about just from my own experience, you know, yeah. like, and just thinking about like competition. Cause I remember when those companies came out, it was like, fuck, like we got to compete with like the Uber of this industry now. But then they started randomly getting people's animals killed and stuff like that. So, you know, and right. even like in the city, you'll have like a larger business. You know, there was a story a year or two ago about some company left someone's dog in a van that got overheated in summer and like died in there. You know, it's like if, if you have a big enough facility that things like that are happening, like maybe you've gotten too large. <laughs> Very good point. Very good point. But yeah, yeah, I just, I think about that a lot. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm just, yeah. Dwelling on that for a moment. Um, yeah. And I mean, I don't know, just to swing it back to licensing for a brief moment. I, I just, oh. <laughs> I, I, uh, this will be the last one I promise, but, um, I really found it, uh, striking that in Oregon, when I interviewed, um, for folks that haven't seen it, I interviewed the executive. Oh, I love that guy. Uh, yeah, the controller. <laughs> he's, uh, he's so fucking awesome. Very can't. He, he, just really quick. Well, hold on. Let me tell the people about the episode. So the he's the head regulator of Oregon Cannabis and Liquor Control. And Philip, didn't you appreciate the fact that I could ask him a question and he'd say, well, this is my personal opinion on the matter. Yeah. And he would give me his personal opinion. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm just saying, are, folks, you, are you saying that in relation to like when you interview regulators here or, or other I, regulators? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it's like no one is really interested in like having a contrarian opinion, you know, it's like, cause you want to sell it as a success, you know? True. So it's like, if they're given their opinion, like they probably all agree it could have been done a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> fair fair but uh yeah the point i was going to bring up is that i thought it was interesting that it wasn't customers that were like man the weed sucks in oregon it wasn't uh like health issues it wasn't like people are dying because of the weed in oregon it was the operators that were like i cannot make money selling weed in oregon and so you need to cap licenses now and so like yes they were open and wild, but they, they have that, that I found out at the end of that interview, they have instituted a moratorium so that it's not going to get any cheaper, basically, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, the price of weed is interesting. Like 
I, it's interesting when you think about it, like, what do you think is the future of the price of weed? If I had it my way, it would no, be like so if you had cheap. To guess. Yeah. Like that's what I think is the actual future of wheat. Like yeah. I heard a guy, there was like this Canadian grower talking about how up in Canada, he's been able using like sun grown. I don't know the exact what he does, but there he's producing it for like 70 cents a gram. Yeah. So that's like, he's producing it for like just over $300 a pound. <laughs> So yeah. when like over in Michigan, you know, I think, I think they're down to like a thousand a pound, maybe less. Um, you know, you just have to get your cost of production down really low if you want to make money. But that's why I think too, like Illinois might be screwing itself is because people here don't have the incentive to do that as much, you know, like you can, businesses can survive having, you know, producing it like much more producing at much higher cost because they can sell it so much higher. But then like when we eventually do have interstate commerce, like they're going to be fucked. <laughs> right. <laughs> so like if you're trying to set up having grows here long-term, like you should make them compete like cutthroat, like now. <laughs> right. Exactly. If we're putting pads on the walls, we're making our state's applicants and industry participants weak. Let them, mm -hmm. let them compete. You know, I've that heard, may, that's what I've, makes think, strong operators. I think that I heard like Tom Howard say that was where I first heard that. I was like, yeah, that's like, cause and then you think like eventually you'll have international cannabis coming here. Yeah. It's like our Illinois growers going to be able to compete with weed from Mexico. Right. Like I doubt it. Yeah. That's a brilliant point. Yeah. Credit to Tom Howard on that one. I, you just kind of brought that thought up for me or, you know, and that that's fucking awesome. I've never really heard it put that way before. So I'm totally with that. <laughs> Hell yeah. Totally. Wait. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I don't know. Uh, you know, I remember when it was joked, like, will Illinois fuck up weed legalization and, and, we found, we found a way, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, it's funny though, too, because I was thinking about like, you know, just being able like go doing this podcast, you know, I probably wouldn't have done this before 2020. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like I remember right after 2020 posting a picture just to my Instagram account, just in the story being like, Hey, it's 2020. Like this is legal now. And it was just a big pile of my weed on my counter just for my family and everyone to see. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, I mean, I feel like it was only post 2020 when like, yeah, I did start going and smoking a joint on the patio before dinner at Thanksgiving. And I don't know. So there is like, I do feel like there was a relaxation of some of the stigma and, you know, I feel emboldened to just smoke weed wherever I want, even though it's not yeah, legal to do that. You know, it's like, yeah. Like people should smell it when they walk around, get used right. to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't I have to that. worry about being hassled too much. I actually would love to kind of, uh, I wouldn't love to, but it would be fun to get, cause it won't be illegal forever. Public like smoking in public. It would be fun to get one of those tickets, like frame it and <laughs> put it on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. That would be fucking cool. That would be cool. And that's a brilliant point, dude. Cause it ultimately 
was the final push for me to start this project. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I wanted to do a podcast and I wanted to talk about something. Here's something, <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. And it's something that was part of my life anyways. So it was like, and like you said, otherwise I wouldn't have felt as emboldened uh, to talk about it so openly. Oh, you yeah. Know? And look at you. You've talked to Tommy Chong now. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, dude. It's so honestly funny. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, funny. It's like one of those cases, um, like my mom used to love the movie Field of Dreams when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is one of those things. It's like, hey, if you build it, they will come. You just got to like give people, like put yourself out there, you know, and you approach people genuinely, like people will meet you where you're at and like engage with you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the biggest lesson I'd say I'd learn out, out of all this. And I try to, I don't say it enough, like for, for people that are listening, like there, there's really nothing special about myself. I just bought this microphone off of Amazon and plugged it into my computer and used to zoom I'm just and a dude started from talking Reddit. to people. <laughs> yeah. Like we, we're just, it's really easy to do this. Um, so if you're thinking about doing it, do it, do it. And you could do, you could talk to people like Tommy Chong and stuff like that. It's, it's. Well, and also people should talk about um, like their cannabis use openly with people they know, you know, like, I think yeah. that's a big, like Illinois still has a lot more stigma. Like again, to talk about the two States, Illinois, and we spend a lot of time in Michigan because we have family there, but the, it feels less stigmatized over there to me. You know, yeah. I mean, maybe that's just the family members that I interact with who like randomly will give us homegrown weed from friends of theirs and things, but are the liberal homegrown laws. But it just, yeah, it's just culturally Illinois feels like cannabis conservative. And I feel like people should just like smoke in public more. Talk about smoking weed more with your friends and family and mm -hmm. coworkers. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you're right. I still even honestly, um, I need to. Uh, because I've talked to people about this before. I, I've had some people on my show that I've asked, I'm not going to make it specific, but you can probably just go back and make some assumptions, fill in the gaps where I've asked them, do you smoke cannabis? You know, they're in the space and they even still will not answer the question. Oh um, yeah. Well, so, I feel like depending how old you are, that's like such a ingrained thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, I guess what I'm saying is I have, asked people after we you know, got off air, why didn't you feel like you could mention that? I figure you do. And they'll be like, yeah, I do. And, um, you know, they, like you say, it's just ingrained in them. And frankly, I have to tell, I always have to tell them because this is, you know, this is something that multiple people do. I do it myself. Like, frankly, sometimes I don't bring it up and I need to, because I don't do it the reason I don't do it is because I'm like, I don't want to get into an argument today or I don't want to do it. No, you need to have that argument today. Like, yeah. it's almost like we need to start having those conversations. I don't mean yeah. to say an argument, but. Well, and people should approach weed from the point of view of like, you have a right to smoke weed. Mm -hmm. You have, you know, like, I mean, I consider, you know, recreational is just such a funny way to term cannabis use. It's like yeah. if you're using it, you're just using it and you have a right to use it for whatever reason. <laughs> don't let people make you feel bad about it. You know? Absolutely. Don't let don't feel judged for your use of it. You know, if you get real high before you walk into a restaurant and people are glaring at you, fuck them. Right. <laughs> like, right. Also, because people act like cannabis is the only offensive odor on people in public. 
Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely. That's hilarious. Yeah. Like, I mean, people just smoke cigarettes everywhere, you know, or like just super offensive colognes or perfumes. True. Like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right that the Illinois there's still a lot of stigma alive in Illinois. I will say that there have been moments where because I have been trying to just wear it on my chest now, and I've said it to people, and it's not that big of a deal. And it's like, oh man, why haven't I? Why didn't I say it earlier? You know, mm-hmm. s- stuff like that. So, yeah, I was at a bar just down the street over here. Uh, and I was hanging out on the patio smoking a joint <laughs> and like this group, they were probably like 50, 60, a group of a couple women. And I just heard like the oldest one of the bunch be like, what? Like make like a, what is that? And then she's like, oh yeah, it's legal now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like, yep. Yeah. I don't know if, um, I don't think I told this story on air yet. So so this might be a new one. We went to Southern Illinois Carbondale and um, we were interviewing some of the faculty down there. And um, basically afterwards, we went to this place called The Cellar, which is super cool. Shout out to The Cellar. It's a bar um, and they let you smoke weed outside. Like in the, just cause people are smoking cigarettes too. So they let you smoke weed. And it was just so interesting. Cause I didn't know that when I went there and one of my friends, Osama, uh, who will be on the podcast in the future, um, basically said like, Hey man, if you want, you got any weed, I'm about to go grab my weed. We can roll up here. And I was like, what really? And he was like, yeah, I, I had to ask him like three times, like seriously, like we can smoke weed here. <laughs> Cause like, just like you, I feel pretty well emboldened to smoke weed anywhere at this point, but there are some times where I'm like, you know, maybe here is it like, maybe I'll go on a walk. Cause there's like a bunch of pee, you know, type of thing. I was, I was pretty bad before legalization though, too. Like my favorite bars in Chicago were always the ones you could get away with smoking at. Oh, like really? They either had like a big outdoor patio or like you know, a single use bathroom that locks yes. so you could roll a joint in there. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I mean, there were a couple bars even that like, cause I started drinking in bars before the smoking ban. So when they instituted the smoking ban, I remember there was one bar I was a regular at where they used to like close the doors at like two and then right. they would let you hang out and smoke cigarettes after that for like an hour. Uh-huh. Uh, and you just had to be like let out whenever you wanted to leave. But you could, you know, a couple of people would just end up smoking weed in there because it's technically kind of like closed and private. And Fuck yeah. Yeah. I mean, Chicago has always been kind of a good city for that kind of stuff. Not that they didn't arrest people in terrible amounts. <laughs> sure, sure. But yeah, I mean, even like like your story, um, I we got we got the weed and this guy had been there multiple times. Like he knew that you could do that. He had talked to the owners and knew that you could do that. The table next to us, like I start rolling up and the lady taps me on the shoulder and she's like, Hey, um, it's only residential. And I like was already high and was like, (laughs) what are you saying? She's like, it's, it's only residential. And I I didn't understand what she was even trying to say to me. I thought she was trying to say, what a weird way to say that. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, are you trying to say that only people that live in Illinois can smoke weed? Are you trying to say that? And she was like, you can only smoke weed at your house. And I was like, 
No, no, but he just told me I can smoke weed here. And she's like, no, no, you can't. He's like, no, yeah, you can. He's like, dude, don't, don't worry about her. And she's like, well, I was just saying something because I don't know if anybody would have a problem. And I was just like, are you going to have a problem if I start smoking weed right now? And she was like, no, no, I've got my vape pen in my, my purse. And it's like, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, all right. And it wasn't, but she was like, just trying to help you out. I don't know because it wasn't, but three minutes later they got up and left. I, I mean, I was, I just kept rolling up and they got up and left. So I don't know, maybe she was cool. And maybe she was just like, I'm going to be the cool stoner and talk to the other stoner and ask them not to do that right now. I got the impression maybe somebody in their group was like, Hey, I don't like oh, the smell yeah, of weed. You yeah. Know, maybe shut that shit down. <laughs> and I was just yeah. like, move your, t-. and that I went inside and talked to the owner. So again, shout out to the seller. I was like, Hey, I had the joint pre-rolled and I was just like, Hey, I just wanted to say that it is so cool that you get, and I bought a beer from her, tipped her. And I was like, it is so cool that you can, that you're letting people smoke weed here. And she's like, yeah, I mean, you know, and if people have a problem with it, just tell them to move tables. That's what we do with cigarettes. So tell them to move tables. And, uh, I just thought that was a really awesome response from the owner. So anyways, that's my little consumption and public story. Yeah. 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 I, uh, yeah, the one thing I don't really get is like the idea of consumption lounges. I don't really find that appealing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I get it maybe in like some context, like in cities, like for tourists and stuff. But like, I always think like, wouldn't that have existed when it was illegal if like people really wanted to do that? Like speakeasies existed during prohibition because alcohol, like when you drink, you want to like hang out with people and be stupid. Like, I always think like, you know, cause like friends of mine, like when they get high, the last thing they want to do is sit in a room with a bunch of people they don't know. <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. I've never I just really think thought about that it's before. Interesting. I think it like they'll exist cause it's like such a new thing, but I just wonder if eventually you'll have like coffee shops. Cause also like as its own thing, like how do you make money? You know, that's my know. thing. It's just something yeah. I think about. It's like, I feel like Cause in Amsterdam, don't they like serve food and coffee? It's just kind of mm-hmm. like a restaurant that features weed. Right. Yeah. I believe so. But yeah, I don't know oh, how you would make money. Think, it's interesting that. to think about the future of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It is cool. Like uh, some of them in Southern Illinois, like those are the ones that are really striking to me because they don't, you know, there's some in Chicago and I are at least one that I know of that's like attached to a dispensary. And so like you can buy weed there. And like you say, from a tourist perspective, that might make a lot of sense if you can't smoke in your hotel and you're just not trying to do it in public and you're worried well, like about a that place kind like, of thing. Like a place like Vegas, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like in Southern Illinois, there's these consumption lounges that are literally just standalone consumption lounges. And yeah. I've seen, yeah. It's kind do of they interesting. Do like shows. Yes. That's yeah. That, so that's, as far as I can tell, that's kind of how they get people in the door. And that's a cool idea. You know, comedy, they music, alcohol? they don't, they don't. Yeah. From what I've seen, they don't. And that's where I'm like, this bar, the comedy, I say the comedy seller, that's a place in New York. The seller um, in Carbondale, that's like a fucking brilliant idea. And I wonder like why more bars don't do that. Cause I wonder if it's because they want it, they, they're worried about getting in trouble for not having a consumption license, but it's like it's private property. And if you're just saying people can do that, like I don't, 
Yeah, but I again, I'm not what, a lawyer. Well, I think it's <laughs> isn't it based on the like Illinois clean air thing that this the same thing that the cigarette ban comes out of? Mm, like, perhaps. isn't one of the problem is like secondhand smoke. Like, if you have like a comedy yeah. club, I don't think you can do that because like the people that work there. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I feel bad. That's a point that uh, what's Susan well, Susan Schick brought up. Yeah. Well, because that's why like like tobacco shops technically can be like smoke lounges, but you have to like make something like 80% of your income from the tobacco sales. Isn't yeah. that a thing? Yeah. 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 It's I so funny. Think- the number of like, when I go into like the smoke shops around here, they're all just fucking Delta eight shops these days. Mm-hmm. It's just so funny to me. Like anytime I'm in there, like looking for papers and things, there's just like all these like, early 20 somethings picking up gummies. <laughs> it must work, man. I hear, I hear that, that they can be pretty, pretty good. You know, I've so. never tried it. I've, I've thought about going to get that guy's ice cream, that Jane and yeah. Mary's cause he started putting that in a bunch of smoke shops all over the place. That'll, that'll probably be the first Delta eight I end up trying, but actually the one place I was going to go pick it up by a friend's house, uh, a friend of mine lives up in Pilsen mm-hmm. was, um, that was the place that had like a raid, Ah, remember that? Yeah, that was way like back funky. Then. No, it was like six months ago. Oh, I'm thinking of a different one then. So. It was like Funky Buddha Smoke or Funky Smoke Lounge, some Buddha Smoke mm-hmm. Lounge, something like that. Yeah, but it they had they were having like a vendor event and they got like raided and a bunch of people arrested. I think it was closed. Damn. So that interrupted my trying of Jane and Mary's. <laughs> yeah, I will say Jane and Mary's is fucking, it's good. Um, it's just well, really I just love that that guy, I just love that that guy, because, you know, he obviously didn't get an infusion license, I'm guessing. I think he applied for one, right? I don't really know. I need to reach out to him and see what's going on. But either on way, he's like know. making it, he's making it work for himself outside yeah. of the system. Yeah. I just kind of love that. Yeah. And I like how he's doing it too, where he'll bring these people a freezer and like, I will help you oh, yeah. and I'll restock it all. Like he seems like he just seemed really cool. You know? Well, I think that's how like, um, you know, like those like fresh pasta things at the grocery store. Like I'm sure the grocery store is not paying for that little refrigerator. Sure. It's probably the vendor, you know, the supplier, whoever's selling that pasta. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Shout out to that pasta. It's dank. Yeah. It's the only pasta to get. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Well, this is, this has been fun. I'm not, I'm not by no means wrapping the show, but I just wanted to reflect for a moment um, on how many topics we've, we've touched on. I have no idea what, what we've talked about. (laughs) Oh, probably, probably not. This has been a long winding conversation. Yeah. We've gone like this for sure, but hopefully, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully it's entertaining for the folks. I mean, the the point I I wanted to do uh, today was just kind of kick back and just, yeah, just go all over the place. Cause frankly, mm-hmm. I've been like laser focused on a few different things. So it's nice to just smoke weed and chat with a fellow advocate, you know? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. This is fun. I don't, I mean, that's why I started using Reddit and Instagram and engaging with people about cannabis on there is cause like everyone I know in life uses cannabis to some extent, nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> nobody wants to talk about it. Like I do. So it's just fun to go on there and like share articles and just see what people are thinking about it. And, you know, sometimes if they say something that's completely wrong, maybe 
correct them and give them a little insight on, you know, why that's not right. Yeah. 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 Very well said. Yeah. It's a, it's a good thing that you're doing and I appreciate, you know, the fact that you take the time to, to do those things. And I wish I was closer to Chicago so that I, you know, um, could make it to some of those protests. Um, Cause it like, what I really liked about what you had to say, and I just wanted to give you the space if if there was anything else cool that happened with regard to that. I, I just, I thought that that sounded so cool to be able to stand out in front of a dispensary with like a sign that will catch a stoner's attention and they will talk to you. You know, stoners, they'll come up and talk to you. And I don't know, it's that just so, sounds so cool. So yeah. I it's to give just you space. funny because like, uh, I kept having flight, you know, the people who stand on the side of the highway with the graphic images of abor- aborted fetuses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a little bit how I felt. <laughs> sure. But uh, yeah, no, it's fun. Cause you know, I think a lot of people who shop at dispensaries in Illinois know that like, I mean, for a lack of a better way to put it, there like is no, it's not a lot of culture in the dispensaries. So I feel like if you see a group that's outside of a dispensary, talking about how that dispensary lobbied against home grow or lobbied for limited licensing, you know, they're like, well, what the fuck are these people doing? Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people like to engage, you know, and they're in, you know, certainly if they're going into a dispensary, they have some kind of an interest in cannabis and anyone going into a, to a, to a dispensary in Illinois knows they're being royally fucked in any number of ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, it was fun. Did I'm you sure have we'll any again at some point? I'm sure you had a lot of people that approached you that were like really intrigued and maybe even never heard of it before, like heard of like what was going on. Oh yeah. Yeah. People. Yeah. Like people know things are weird. Like they know Illinois isn't like other States, but like, you know, someone who followed as someone who follows the news, like you do, like you can, you could kind of explain to someone in a minute or two, like, why the market is structured the way it is and why they don't have more choices and why shops haven't opened up and mm-hmm. why the prices are still so high. And, you know, that people are still arrested and that it's not really legal because you can't grow your own. Right. All that kind of stuff. I'm really curious. Did you have anybody that you talked to and went through that two minute summary and that they were just like, okay. And then they just went into the store. Oh, I mean, well, cause that's the thing is people don't have options, you sure. know? Like we, I turned a number of people away from shopping, you know? Oh yeah. And sorry, I don't mean to frame the question that way. I just meant oh, to no, be no, like, no. but yeah, that is a good we point. Tur- I, like I turned yeah. a number of people away from shopping, but what I'm saying is people don't have other options. You know, True. like the only, yeah. the only things I could, could tell somebody if someone's like, oh, well, well, where should I go to get my cannabis? It's like, well, yeah. Black market. Uh-huh. <laughs> And then they're like, well, dude, I would do that if I had the option, right? <laughs> I mean, you can give people tips on how to find a black market dealer, but, you know, it's like you got to be the kind of person that would be comfortable doing that thing. Right. And I right. think, you know, most people aren't. Most people just want to go to a store and go home. Yeah. And again, I did not mean to frame the question like that way and that like I wasn't trying to ask like how many people did you turn away? But like I meant to ask like were there people that – truly seemed to not care. Like I get the people that oh, were like, they yes, were like, yes, yes. Cause we were out in the suburbs yeah. one day, <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the older crowd in the suburbs did not give a shit. 
but did they ask, so did they like ask you, but then while you're saying it, they're just like, ah, fuck it, you know, and then just went in or like what? Just less approaching, less engagement. I, I see. Just like, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know what you guys are doing out here. Yeah. Cause I want to say that I totally get the perspective that like stands there and like listens to you and they're like, wow, this all makes sense. That's really fucked up. With all that said, I still am going to go there and get some weed. Cause like, frankly, I want to get high today. Like I totally get that perspective. Like well, if you don't why, have an option, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's why like, uh, set, like telling someone, well, like, I mean, as much as I would love to tell people not to support any of the people who lobbied for the state that things yep. are in, in Illinois, like people need weed, like, right. You know, it's, it's, it, I feel like I'm insulting someone by being like, don't go there, but you have yeah. no other option. <laughs> exactly. It's like, and, it's a little like uh holier than thou, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a certain way, it's like ableist. If I mean, I do think when like, I mean, it's hard in Illinois because the ownership stuff is confidential, yeah. but I do think when actual craft operators open, you know, like I met that guy Ambrose from 1937 out at the true social equity stuff. He seems like a great guy, you know, mm-hmm. and it, when his stuff is able to be, you know, the, the like you can give that as an option to people, but the terrible thing about Illinois is it's like so top to bottom owned by the original operators that like, even when you go to buy that new craft product, if you're medical, you're going to be buying it at one of their dispensaries. Yep. And if you're buying it, say at one of the new independent shops, that shop is probably going to be carrying a lot of those companies, brands selling those, you know, so it's like, you can, you can never really shop at anywhere that's going to be like free of those original operators. That's going to be something new and independent. They like, mm-hmm. just like own it top to bottom. Right. It's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and the fact that even some of the new applicants are kind of like tied to the existing ones. So that even further is, well, the, what are you going to do? You right. Know? Right. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. It's as much as you want to like, yeah, it's just so fucked. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, straight up, dude. Like I, yeah. to a certain extent, you can't like fault people for doing that. You know, I think it is important to still point it out that it's going on, but to a certain extent, it's like, oh yeah. Well, and there's, you know. yeah. Like, and it's disheartening. Like, I don't know. You just see like those companies like Cureleaf and GTI and, them they just they sponsor i mean they just have money to go around so they sponsor everything so their name is just on everything and it's just annoying yeah (laughs) like it just makes you want to like not deal with any of it and just kind of like yeah like whenever there's some home grow bill just start calling legislators and talk encourage other people to call about the new home grow bill and i know just focus on that yeah. Just the I, loosening of the, the laws around the criminal stuff. Yeah. We've got to do that because, because I think that will go a long way towards, um, to quote David Bienenstock, decommodifying cannabis. Like, just, it I love will. That, I loved that guy's interview. That was great. Yeah. He was, he was brilliant. 
It was yeah, brilliant. That was great. Like I, I've had to, I've had to, I never rewatch my own podcast. I had to rewatch that one. Cause just to I rewatched, hear. I, I watched it twice too. Yeah. I just had to hear what he had to say and um, yeah, the way, shout the out to him. He He's got a great podcast like that. Yeah. I do. I do mean to check that out. I was wondering if he had done an episode about um, rainbow farms. You know what that is? Mm-mm. I, I was looking up YouTube videos of it like the other week. It would, it's actually not far from us in Illinois. It's like uh, it's like Vandalia, Michigan. It's near Cassopolis. Okay. But it was like a weed ruby ridge. It was these two gay guys and they had this place, Rainbow Farms, and they like grew weed on the property and they would host events. They had actually Tommy Chong was there at some point. There's a video huh. of him on YouTube there that you can find. Nice. So you have a one degree of separation to that place. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like, they, they were like, you know, living the libertarian dream of being a gay couple protecting their weed with guns. And oh, yeah. uh, the local police just, you know, eventually were not cool with it and ended up like killing both of them. I mean, they like arrested them, took, the one's kid away and then like they burned the property down and then they had like an arm standoff and they ended up both being killed. But it happened like a week before nine 11. It's just a crazy story. Yeah. Like, and I feel like a lot of people don't know about it. So I kind of wanted to make a point to bring it up. Yeah. This is insane. This is insane. And I didn't, you said it happened before nine 11. So it was in like 2000, 2001. I mean, it was, I, I just cause I watched something about it. It was like September 3rd, 2001. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and I was like, you know, at that time I would have been like 16 and, you know, I first smoked weed when I was 14 and was like getting into the, looking up cannabis and getting into cannabis culture back, you know, starting to listen to reggae back then. So I feel like I would have like, you know, I paid attention to the news then. I don't remember ever hearing about it Yeah. until like, I've, you know, the show Jazz Cabbage Cafe. I feel like it sounds familiar. It's like guys from Michigan Normal. But they okay. had like an episode about it. And that was the first time I ever heard about it. Huh. It was like the 20th anniversary of it, like a year ago. So Rainbow Farms. I'm going to have to look into that. And actually these days, you can rent an Airbnb there. And I think so, it's, like a, it's like a cannabis-friendly Airbnb campground. <laughs> And is it like built in memorandum at all? Do they have any? I think it's owned by the. I think it's owned by the family. I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of thing there for it, like maybe a memorial or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's like I think it's like it operates in tribute. I think they host events again, like weed events. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. It's just it's interesting. Yeah, I've never heard some Midwest some Midwest cannabis history. (laughs) Straight up. Straight up. Totally. Well, I always wonder too, like, I feel like I don't really hear about those kind of stories, you know, like in Michigan too, has that whole back in the seventies with John Sinclair and like Ann Arbor decriminalizing weed. Right. Like, does Illinois have any of those stories? Like, I can't really think of like cannabis history in Illinois. I mean, I, I've thought about doing it if, like a episode on the history of cannabis in Illinois. Um, I, this is totally off the top of my head when I was doing some research to try to do something like that. And um, 
I recall that in like 1980 something, Illinois technically legalized medical cannabis, but they made it so that the police had to certify the physicians that could certify you for medical cannabis. And Mm. so it never happened. Um, I wonder if that was like an Illinois state police change, <laughs> like our legalization bill, you know, not having home grow. Yeah. From what I understand, it was definitely uh, an effort uh, on behalf of the Illinois state police to sabotage that program. You know, it's yeah. kind of like, they were like, yeah, you can do that. If you have this provision in there that allows us to not let you do that, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's interesting. When did you say that? When, what year was that? I think it was like 1984 or something like that. Let me let hmm. me see here uh, if I can just find it off of a quick Google uh, Illinois cannabis history. But yeah, it's it's um, 1978, which technically allowed for medical cannabis. However, in order for it to become an actuality, action was required from two state departments, human services and the state police. Neither department took action. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I'd never, I don't think I'd ever heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that I thought it was, like I said, I thought about doing a uh, kind of a big history of the Illinois cannabis market, um, you know, like a whole episode on it. But the thing is, it's like, I'm kind of like pushing that off. Cause I really feel like we're still very much in the history part. So what do you mean? You know, like, not much has really changed. In, oh, when, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I yeah, feel Yeah, well, like, that's what I was saying when we first started is like why I find this so fascinating is like, you know, just like in the rest of the world, pandemics and wars, like we're living in such like interesting times, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes scary, but like it's just, you know, like when I was a kid, I never thought you could, you'd be able to go into a dispensary and buy weed. Like I remember starting to smoke weed and like you find out about like Amsterdam and it was like, what? Like you can go into a coffee shop and just like buy weed. Like they have different kinds. Wow. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy how things change. Yeah, it really is. We're definitely, we're definitely in like, I don't know if, because in the larger context of like ending the whole drug war, you know, like, I don't even know if it's like the first inning really. Yeah. Yeah. And I really feel like most of these cannabis companies we see, and I don't wish ill will on anybody, but I don't, I just don't think they're going to last the test of time. Oh, they're not going to maybe last through the end of the year. (laughs) Yeah. If, if a recession hits and it's bad enough, like I think a couple of them could be in trouble. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know enough about anything to, 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 to say that, but I've definitely heard that. I mean, like, I heard, I heard from, I read somewhere that like high times was potentially going to go bankrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Which, but didn't, I mean, they've kind of been on a bad path anyway. I think David Beanstalk actually mentioned that, they, you know, they like lost their original owner and it's just kind of been refer like. refer to them. I always refer to them as just a stock scam because there was that story that they were like advertising an IPO forever and selling shares to like in people like, Hey, invest in our IPO. We'll sell you at this price. And it was like 
something like they were selling it at a higher price and they knew they were going to get. And like the people that are like in charge of doing public offerings were like, you guys aren't allowed to do this. <laughs> like you got to stop. You're not going to have an IPO. So yeah, yeah, they were like kind of defrauding people who, you know, probably read high times growing up and were like, Oh yeah, I'll invest in high times. Right. Make, make money They're They've always been at the forefront. Yeah. I've, I've never heard of that. I honestly don't know much about, uh, stocks and IPOs and all that stuff anyways, though. So or like, I don't even know, you know what I get like, the I general concept. <laughs> yeah. I get the general well, like, concept that they were fucking people, but like when it comes, if you were to ask me to explain it back to you, I would fail that test. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were, they were representing themselves falsely to get money, you know, on the promise that people would get money later. Yeah. Gotcha. I guess that's a good way to put it. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it's just, be interesting. Yeah. I don't mean to, to, it seems like, you know, a lot of times the conversation always feels uh, negative, like with cannabis in Illinois. And that there's certainly reason to be upset, but like you say, I want to just take a moment to like really high, to really just live it, live in the moment. And the fact that I'm like, yeah, we're doing this. We've got a camera on ourselves, well, you know, well, it's funny. Cause you can be like, Oh, I can be super negative about cannabis in Illinois, you know, but it's like, you can also discuss it in a way that's like, really, you know, it's like, you can discuss it and not seem like you're like angry, super angry and annoying, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like who, like you can bitch about it and discuss it in like a larger way of like, well, this is probably why it's like that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You just got to keep yeah. your expectations low in Illinois. Absolutely. Absolutely. Unfortunately but yeah well shit um my my laptop is about to die and i do not have power nearby um i think you know well, we can we can end this i was gonna say just about now is a good time to wrap it's about time to eat lunch i'm gonna take the last hit of the bowl i want to thank you again philip for just coming on and shooting the shit with me it's been a it's yeah, been it was good fun time. it was fun to finally talk Hell yeah. The next thing we need to do is smoke in person. So we'll make that happen. Yeah. If, if you're ever up in Chicago, we would Hell love yeah. to have you. Hell yeah. Well, Chillinois, I hope you found uh, some, some relief in this episode. Uh, so um, we'll see you next time on the next episode of the Chillinois podcast. See you everybody.